What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. And welcome uh, to this panel. I guess this is going to be a two-part thing, you guys. We will do a piece today, and then we'll talk about it here a little bit today. Uh, but obviously, a piece after the United States uh, Department of Labor rule change goes into effect. Um, but uh, I want to take a minute to introduce everybody. Obviously, uh, we have Kim Cavan here. Uh, Kim's a little under the weather today, but she she like always was part of the Wolf Pack and. Uh, and made it through anyway. So, Kim, thanks for joining us. Hi, Steve. <laughs> we have Karen Anderson um, in California. Uh, Karen is um, a, an expert, is what I'd call her, at AB5 disaster, <laughs> life-threatening, wrecking stuff. So um, we'll get into that, too. And we have Mr. Mike Ruby uh, with New Jobs America and his legislation, Be My Own Boss. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to kind of do this in two parts, you guys. So... Um, we'll just kind of start up and see where we go from uh, today. Uh, I guess I wanted to, the first thing I wanted to start off with is I think a lot of people that might be watching this are wondering, you know, like what is the reality of this independent contractor rule change? We've been hearing about it forever. We're not going to be employees. I'm starting to hear this from people now. Like, you know, you were talking about this so long ago before it seems like the product, it's never going to really happen. What's going on? Why why would it be so black and white to be employee or not employee? Why wouldn't we just stick with the independent contractor rules that have been in place for years? Or if they were to be tweaked out, why wouldn't they just be tweaked? Why would it have to go so dramatic one way or the other? And that's what I kind of am hearing. And I, I'm not trying to put like fear out there, but I also don't want people getting too comfortable with the fact that it's, in my opinion, it's a big reality. Am I wrong? Is that's not opinion. Um, it's fact. So I was in a Zoom meeting last week before I went to the Bruce Springsteen concert and got COVID. Um, I was in this Zoom meeting with Illinois state lawmakers. They were talking about the independent contractor issue. And there was a woman there representing the Illinois AFL-CIO. And as we all know, uh, the AFL-CIO has been the driving force behind pushing this effort to wipe out a lot of independent contractors. It has been several years now of these policies being shown to fail in ways that Karen Anderson can talk about for hours on end. She knows the ins and outs of all of it. This woman last week from the AFL-CIO walked into this meeting, introduced herself by saying, we continue to favor a strict ABC test. And as I sat in that meeting they described independent contractors as Uber drivers, illegal immigrants, and felons. 
which I called them out on and explained that that's absolutely ridiculous. And there was a moment that I think encapsulates everything that's been going on where the chairman of the committee, the state committee in the legislature in Illinois that was in this meeting was talking about how he thought this ABC test wouldn't affect him because he was a independent contractor who did real estate appraisals for real estate companies. And since he worked with multiple real estate companies, he'd be absolutely fine because he was a legitimate independent contractor. And um, I interrupted and said, I'm so sorry to tell you, but part B of this ABC test that the AFL-CIO is pushing for nationwide puts you out of business too. Welcome to the state of California. You're now one of us who's going to lose everything. And this is everything we've been fighting against. And a hush fell over that room like you wouldn't believe. So the idea that this is going to stop anytime soon, I think is fantasy. They are continuing to push for it at the state levels. They're continuing to push for it at the federal level. Just over Labor Day weekend, I don't know how many of the lawmakers I saw promoting the PRO Act over on Twitter. And we're about to have this regulatory change at the U.S. Labor Department that will get them as close to this as they think they can get without the Supreme Court stopping them through a regulatory change instead of a legislative change. But they they made absolutely no bones about the fact that they still favor this. They're still pushing for this. The fight is still on. Right. And I'd like to say about real estate appraisers, real estate appraisers with AB5 did not have an exemption. And so we had real estate appraisers in our group that came in and said they were losing clients and losing work. In fact, there was a woman we discovered who was actually an auditor from the EDD who was in our group. And somebody said, oh, she's a plant. You know, you got to kick her out. And I said, no, no, no. I want to talk to her and see why she's here. You know, so I started chatting with her. And the reason that she was in our group was because she hated AB5 because her husband was a real estate appraiser and he lost work because of AB5. So what Kim just said is the absolute truth. Now that real estate appraisers finally got an exemption in the, um, you know, nine months later, but you can't think of any, any, any profession more that, that is more independent in nature than a real estate appraiser. And they even lost livelihoods. I mean, lost their livelihoods because of eighty-five. I would agree with with both of you. Um, I think that this is a gigantic threat for any self-employers thinking that they will they will be exempted for some reason or another. Um, they need to recall that this is a huge joint venture that we're up against. And they've been working since at least 2019, in many cases, much longer. And they're determined, the uh, ABC will call it a test, but it is really an exclusion. It's not a test. And you can talk to a lot of labor attorneys and get the same, the same verdict from them. Uh, the, the, our, the joint venture that opposes us is well-funded. I mean, it is, as both of you have said, extremely determined. The components are the labor unions, the plaintiffs' attorneys who work with them very closely. All far left state and federal legislators are all in the tank. Labor law, I'll call them academics, and the media writers, editors, and owners that are complicit with proposing the point of view 
uh, Karen, like uh, Kim, like you said, that Uber is just illegals, uh, you know, felons and basically miscreants and, and of no concern to the public. Absolutely false. This affects at least half the families in the country. So if you think you don't have any self-employed people in your family, think again. So I'm not a big fan of legislation to just in general. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody would be just in general, but um, for to be stepping on to toes and wanting, I, I thought the pro, to be honest, I thought the pro act was dead. And I was going to reference that here in a little bit with you, Kim, I was going to say that I saw some tweets recently about you were mentioning pro act and some things that were going on in Pennsylvania. Why is this not dead? <laughs> it is currently not moving. Um, with the Republicans controlling the House of Representatives, that bill is not going to get through. The, you know, with Labor Day going on, there's always a lot of, it's a big marketing week for the folks who are trying to do this to us. So it's an opportunity for them to come out and say, we should do this, we should pass the PRO Act, we, we should still support the PRO Act. But the reality of it is the bill is not moving. What folks should probably know, I think it's important to say, it's not moving primarily because moderate Democrats in the Senate have blocked it. This is, yes, Republicans are opposed to it, but it's the moderate Democrats like Senator Warner in Virginia, Senator Kelly in Arizona, and uh, she's now an independent, but Senator Kirsten Sinema in Arizona have stepped up and said, this is just not, this is wrong. And Warner and Kelly in particular have publicly said they won't support it because it's it's going to hurt independent contractors the way California did. And they don't want to see that happen nationwide. So um, that bill right now is dead. Obviously, we have a big election year coming up next year, and that's ramping up now. We're starting to see the debates on TV and things like that for who's going to run. I think depending on who takes control of the White House and who controls the Senate and the House of Representatives, we'll have to see where we stand uh, about a year from now on that question of whether that bill has the potential to move. If, you know, I, I do not think this should be a partisan issue. I think the right to choose self-employment has absolutely no business being a partisan issue, but the reality is it's move this, these bills are moving in States that are fully controlled by Democrats. So we have to see who wins control of everything. If we end up with a divided Congress again, or a Republican in the white house, the PRO Act is not a threat to us. Um, and regulatory changes at the Labor Department at that point may become not as much of a threat either. If you have a Republican take over the White House, they can undo whatever damage is done. But that doesn't mean that the folks amassed against us are going to stop. They can just go back to the state level and start going through the blue states again, and like they, they attempted to do in 2019. Y you have to remember California, what Karen experienced out there, that was supposed to be the rollout of a, of multiple states passing this thing. We happened to be able to stop it by rising up as as everyday citizens in New Jersey and saying no. That stopped New York, which was supposed to go next. That stopped Illinois, which was supposed to go next. So we they will just go back to that plan if they can't get it through at the federal level. So there's lots of ways for them to do this. We'll see what happens next with the elections. 
Steve, I think that uh, let, me, let me agree with everything that Kim said about her assessment, add a little bit of detail. I think the PRO Act in Congress is a complete failed approach, and the Democrats and the uh, joint venture are all aware of it. They can't politely back up and give up. Uh, they also are trying to get Billy Sue and his labor secretary. So uh, there's quite a bit of evidence that they have there while they're claiming, while Biden is doing basically covering their retreat on the PRO Act. They're acting, as Kim said, at the state level in various ways. In California, they've acted at the municipal level. They've acted at the occupational level. Rhode Island has passed two gravely offensive uh, rules about independent contractors without any controversy. Everyone says, oh, Rhode Island, that's small. I think all these uh, activists have been told to try anything that works in your state and will aggregate and then keep propelling them forward to other states. So I agree with Kim completely. The action has shifted to the state level and they know that that's, uh, they believe that that's one of our weak points is that we are good nationally, which is why they're staying away from the PRO Act, but we are less adhesive in places like Rhode Island uh, that are completely blue and uh, so small that nobody really pays emotional attention to them. No offense to Rhode Islanders, but a little roadie. So uh, I think there's a, still a grave danger, even without the PRO Act banner flying very proudly right now. Karen, um, I'm going to ask you the same question. Why is the PRO Act still, why are we still talking about this? Well, I mean, in your state, we proved how, how, how horrible AB five. I mean, I called it, I called it just an assassin of a little bit ago when I was introducing you. I still don't think a lot of people even catch on to the damage of AB five. There are still some people that just goes right past that just don't well, understand. I mean, like the, for example, we can, we could, e I could even bring up the Walgreens pharmacy situation. Um, um, the pharmacists who now under AB5, I mean, there's already a problem nationwide going on, but in California, they won't be able to be pharmacists. Am I wrong? Well, pharmacists don't have an exemption from AB5 in, in California. So I have pharmacists in my group that lost their livelihoods overnight and were blindsided by it. And these are, these are people that have doctorate degrees, if, you know, licensed professionals. So anybody who thinks that these, these anti-independent contracting uh, laws only affect, you know, quote unquote, exploited rideshare, quote unquote, drivers or janitorial workers or whatever are just wrong. I mean, it affects the whole vast swath of professions. As far as your first question about the PRO Act, I think it's just, you know, pandering to the union base, the, the union um, benefactors. And so they always, you know, bring up the PRO Act, but it is a threat. If you know the 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 powers the the dynamics in Washington shifts after the election, that I mean, all like Kim said, all it would have taken was there were a couple of senators here and there, and and we'd be dealing with the with the aftermath of the pro act right now. So they're always going to try to push it to you know pander to their to to big labor who you know that's where the golden ticket is for these politicians. But as far as AB5, uh, my biggest challenge with it is that most people, a lot of people don't understand what it is. They think it's been repealed. They get Prop 22 mixed up with AB5 and 
even people, mm-hmm. allies of ours in, in the media get their facts wrong about it. There was a there was an assembly person a couple of days ago and, and that was uh, arguing against a certain a certain regulation that was was being considered in, in this legislation and said stated outright that AB5 had been repealed by the people. It was complete nonsense, you know. So that's um, you know, that is our that is my biggest challenge is that people are complacent and they 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 don't think eighty five exists anymore. So, okay, if all the other states were watching California to see how AB five went, and now they're all wanting AB five, why? Because AB five was supposed to create jobs, and it wasn't going to hurt everybody. All it did was kill careers. And it if you watched, the, if you paid attention to any of the Julie Sue hearings, she she and even the people that the the Democrats that were, you know, um, in her camp uh, during the confirmation hearings, they were they were treated AB five like a hot potato. They didn't want to touch it with a ten foot pole. She distanced herself completely from it and said, "Oh, oh, oh, oh you know, we, we, you're not going to see the ABC test." you know, in, in, in federal law, it's, it's not going to happen, you know, so they, they know they're not touting AB5, they're running from it, but in reality, they're mimicking it in other ways. And that's why that, that six factors test that we're talking about, that's Mm going to probably be finalized in October. It, they can't outright implement the ABC test per statute, but if you examine the 184 page law uh it mimics the abc test nonetheless and it would have the same effect and and the chilling effect is what we're we're really concerned about and steve you know you said it was a disaster in california not to the afl cio they can't unionize independent contractors it's illegal by law to unionize independent contractors the fewer independent contractors that are in the workforce and the more people who have to go seek out traditional employer employee jobs, they see that as a win. So the notion that AB5 failed them, that's crazy. They think less independent contractors is a good thing. We're not, we're not an unintended consequence. We're, we're intentional collateral damage to these people. Well, but I have to say to that, that, okay, but, that would make sense if you if you killed off and it's still wrong. It would okay, let's say you killed off five million career people who have built businesses and you created five million jobs, but there's no job how how can you how can you go back and say, well, we can't unionize them unless they're employees, but yet none of them became employees. So like you can't unionize them if they're unemployed either. You know, I agree with you 100%. And and over the holiday weekend, they were sharing some data. Wasn't it um, Joe Biden came out and said that in his administration, he'd created 13 or 14 million jobs, something like that. That was the number, 13 or 14 million. There's 60 million Americans now earning some or all of their income as independent contractors, according to the latest research. The notion that overnight, we're just going to turn all of them into traditional employee roles I want some of whatever they're drinking. It's better than the NyQuil I took last night so that I can stop coughing. You know? 
You also have to differentiate between public sector and private sector unions. Private sector unions comprise six, only 6% of the workforce. A lot of this, this push is from public sector unions, and then you see that. But again, it, the jo- no jobs were created, though. Well, I mean, some we, they can they can they can point to some as you know. Okay, but aren't they jobs that would have I mean, been created anyway? <laughs> like, I'm just probably. saying. I mean, I don't think it was like AB five created all these jobs. No, you're you're correct to say that the overwhelming result of this policy in California was the destruction of legitimate independent contractor income and careers. They're not going to let go of AB five because they have they they finally captured truck the trucking industry, and um, or they so they think, and they still are hot on the tail of Uber and Lyft. In fact, Proposition twenty two, um, the uh, SEIU is uh, SEIU yeah SEIU is going after Proposition uh, the constitutionality. They're appealing that ruling. <laughs> I don't think Prop 22 is ever going to be out of court. That thing's going to be in court forever. <laughs> That's, I think uh, one of the interesting things is that with the um, in the electric vehicle market, uh, the steel industry, the automobile industry are both being hard hit by the offshoring of electric vehicle manufacturing, uh, mostly to Asia. And the you know, basically, if you if you look carefully, what you see is the, um, the the unions. The Democratic Party is abandoning manufacturing unions uh, and supporting that with public sector uh, public sector unions. It, it's something really fierce to watch. I'm originally an Ohioan, and to watch an industry be just demolished in 50 years. Uh, from you know steel making and automobile uh, and part and, and everything paint it manufactured in the Midwest uh, that's all disappearing now as the car types change and as the um, the union focus changes so we have as freelancers self employers we have huge number of opportunities for people who are now working in automobile plants and supplier plants who are going to be forced to find self-employment jobs because there isn't anything coming in their field. Absolutely nothing. So they're talking 30% reductions, and that's hundreds of thousands of, of uh, positions are going to just disappear from the country. Because, you know, if you know how to assemble or design uh, dyes for stamping plants, uh, I've seen these things. You know, you're not going to go someplace else and do pharmaceutical stamping that's crazy so um anyway i i we have a big opportunity to pick apart and take more supporters for our point of view than the unions do for their point of view so mike while you're on that point i guess um can you walk us through why right now is a time to talk about be your own boss and the <laughs> legislation Yes. And why independent contractors should be interested in this? Kim put a poignant point to it a couple of weeks ago, for which I'm personally very grateful. She said, I am totally exhausted by trying to beat back all these different attacks on our occupation. I may have used some different words, Kim, but 
the word exhaustion. And I realize, I'm very grateful for you saying that. I realize that we've been on, we've been playing defense mode for four years with these people since the fall of uh, 2019. And they're still at it. And I realized that what will really bring us together as a force, 60 million people as a force, is to be proposing something positive that the other side can't really respond to. And so we have uh, created a bill that uh, written specifically for the self-employed. So it's easy to uh, easy to understand, easy to see what's going on, easy to monitor, easy to understand how it you know what it gives you as the individual. You know, as Kim, Steve, Karen, Mike. Well, what do I get from this? And we've we're now in the position of trying to promote that nationwide. So to get self-employed on board, that there's a positive solution. Once you let them know that there's a positive solution, they will not go back to the union arguments of, you know, it's a bunch of illegals and underage drivers and, you know, deadbeats that are freelancing. No, it's your nurse practitioner. It's your carpenter. It's many, many people. Literally half the household, a third of the workers, 40% of the workers. Um, so we, uh, but it's a, it's a difficult thing. You know, you can't just write what Washington writes for legislation because Washington writes for itself, you know, to, to impress each other. So we had to go back to standard English, uh, simple words with precise meaning, short sentences, and no fancy clauses with mutual conditions and you know subordinated clauses so it was it was quite a drafting opportunity uh, the the bedrock of it all is a simple you've got to put a simple mechanism in the fair labor standards act that acts like an on-off switch you want to right you know when you are working now you don't have a switch if you uh, when the switch is in place you'll be able to toggle it and say, I want to work sometimes or part-time as self-employed, you'll get a number, you'll get a date, that's your that's your personal employee number, then to do all your self-employed work with yourself as a self-employer. So you have to do something simple like that. We've gotten very good response from the legal profession. They say this will appeal very widely, it's strong, you have to do a couple of things, so we've done a couple more things. So it's an approachable document. We've got a copy on our website. It's all 22-point type, double-spaced. You'll love it. It's, the changes in federal law are highlighted in yellow and underlined. Ease of use for people who like me who print in black and white, not in color. And the name, of course, is that the single common thread that unites every self-employer is they want to be their own boss. And that's the phrase they tell themselves, they tell their spouses, they tell their family and friends when they get frustrated with whatever it is, BCD, corporation, I just want to be my own boss. There. I want to wash it out of my hair. So is there's a question here. Is there a bill number? It's not a bill yet. I mean, it's not a submitted bill with a bill number. We're, we're uh, 
We're working on that. We have to get a member of Congress. I have 45 members of Congress who will be co-sponsors, but they are, haven't found that one individual yet who uh, feels that they want to be the sponsor and uh, do what is required to get it into a bill. But it is it is a collection of uh, it's everything that, 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 that would happen in a real bill, except it hasn't got a bill number yet, Steve. Gotcha. Um. So, yeah, I guess, uh, so what, what the U S I guess we have to talk about this a little bit, the Julie Sue situation, because she's not, she hasn't been confirmed. She hasn't, she doesn't have a position, but she has a position. She actually, it seems like they're like, we don't, it almost seems like they're like, we don't care. We're just going to move ahead. And she's in that position. Yes, that's correct. Okay, but she's not in that position. She's the acting secretary. But how long can you be acting and how many formal? Well, I guess they found a loophole in that particular particular labor department on her particular position that they think that they can stretch her out till the, you know, indefinitely. I mean, can she, as acting, can she make these kind of huge decisions that affect 60 million plus people? They are. They're thinking right now. They're going to try it, Steve. There's a, a federal vacancies act that says uh, that if you've been turned down or a, uh, for a position at the cabinet level or uh, have been un, unapproved for 210 days, you cannot continue serving. And there is also a so that's clear. And that would be October 7th, 6th or 7th, and that would be her 210th day, and then she out the door. There is also a conflicting law in um, in the it applies in labor law that says the secretary can serve until replaced. So, uh, with with a definite con- uh, conflict in legal terms, they have asked the office of the inspector general to uh, maybe it's the GAO, whatever one of those two. They've asked an authority on legal provisions to uh, decide which ones should prevail. I expect lawsuits from one side or the other, but uh, there are a lot of people in Congress who would like to see her removed under the Vacancies Act post-haste. Yeah, and I see here that her, Julie Sue is the acting labor secretary. Her official role is deputy labor. So if she has an official role, isn't that not good enough to make Big decisions. No, well, she, she's obviously going to be acting secretary when when the um, Department of Labor finalizes the six factor rule in October. So she's going to have to defend that. And I, there's, I don't know, Kim. What do you think? Do you think the fact that she's she's, um, you know, I mean, do you think that? it would work in our favor in terms of, of lawsuits being filed that she's in no position to defend that. I think lawyers are about to make a lot of money having this fight in the courts. Yeah. I, I think that's where this is headed very clearly. That's where this is headed. You see people like um, representative Virginia Fox of North Carolina, who's the head of the uh, committee on uh, workforce issues, uh, working with Kevin Kiley, representative out of California, who's the head of the subcommittee on workforce protections. They're trying to 
do things to stop this indefinite keeping her in place without a Senate confirmation. But um, it, you know, all the reporting I've seen, even in places like Politico says that Senate confirmation is not coming, which means the Biden administration is going to leave her in place. She's going to be in charge when this rule for independent contractors drops and then lawyers are going to have to fight it out, which I don't know, six months, a year. How Again, we're pushing right up into the next election. So at that point, it becomes about, do you vote to change who's in the White House and just have them undo the whole thing and problem solved? But in the meantime, lawyers are going to make a lot of money battling it out. So I was asked to keep it under my hat after we had this meeting. But back in May, I was invited to with a couple of three or four other stakeholders from franchising and uh, KBA and uh, tipped workers and another franchisee owner to meet with Julie Sue and Senator Manchin um, for a two-hour meeting. And we all had an opportunity to give our testimony directly to her face about our various issues with her. And um, it was a very interesting um, <laughs> meeting. And she, I, I have to say, Julie Sue, unlike Lorena Gonzalez, she's a very nice person. I think that's gotten her far up the ladder through the years. And, and she, you know, when I told her to her face about all of the stories of devastation of AB5, she was actually very empathetic. And she, she was apologizing almost to me about all the people that had suffered under it and was assuring that AB5 or the ABC test would not become federal law, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was all bullshit, basically, <laughs> you know, and Senator Manchin kept asking me to ask her follow up questions. And then Senator Cinema was also in in the meeting, too. So at the opportunity for two and a half hours to sit with Senator Manchin, Senator Cinema, and Julie Sue and Senator Manchin seemed mo- of, of all of the topics including franchising and tip workers and PAGA and all of these labor laws and, and everything that had come out of California, he seemed most focused and, and cinema too on the independent contractor issue. And um, so I asked her directly, I said, knowing what we know now about all of the dolphins in the tuna net, quote unquote, from the ABC test, do you still think that ABC test is, is the, is the answer for misclassification st- uh, worker classification st- tests. And she, you know, she hemmed and hawed, but basically she, she, she acted just like she did in the confirmation hearing. Like it's a complete hot potato. She didn't want to touch it, even though, uh, um, you know, darn well, she supports it. She endorsed it. She enfor- enforced it and everything else. So what I'm trying to say is that she's very duplicitous. She will say one thing to your face. And then she will do another thing behind your back. And she even asked me, she told me, Karen, I'm willing to meet with you. You can, and we can talk and just contact me after this meeting and we'll talk. So I contacted her after the meeting and she never contacted me back. So I was going to say, how does, how does she even, for those that don't know, Julie Sue was in place in California before she was where she is now. So she was, she was a labor commissioner in California from 2011 to 2018. And then she became the head of the agency, the uh, labor and workforce development agency until 
2021, and then she became um, acting uh, deputy secretary. She was nominated as deputy secretary for the Department of Labor in the Biden administration. And Joe Manchin told us, he said he didn't want to vote for her for that. But he, he admitted to it. This was after the meeting. He told us, he said, um, I only did it as a favor to Marty Walsh because he was imploring me to vote for her for for deputy secretary. So we knew at that time that he was not gonna going to vote for her confirmation as as um, uh, labor secretary. And then Cinema even asked, told us, she said, if you if you independent contractors lose work in California, you're more than welcome to move to my state and take up shop there. And, <laughs> and Manson said the same thing. Yes, you can come to West Virginia, you know? So I think, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything like that because there was, it was a, it was a comprehensive, um, you know, topics from franchise franchising issues to, to all, all sorts of other issues with her, with all the other people that were in the meeting, but um, they did seem to be focused on the independent contracting issue. So I was a little disappointed when he, issued his statements saying it was his, her, her progressiveness was the reason he didn't want to vote for her when he could have said and should have said it was, it was her position on independent contractors was the reason that he didn't want to vote for her. I mean, to me, it's just, it's ridiculous. And by the way, Karen very nicely skipped over, um, uh, 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 what was I thinking? Oh, Lorraine Gonzalez. I need to mention this, that I finally feel important because she blocked me on Twitter just like two weeks ago. It took her that long. I don't know why. Oh, is that why <laughs> you tweeted about somebody that was... Uh, I don't oh, know. I don't even think I did anything I that was day. She just... why she... Here, I'm going to go look up. She, she tweeted about people like you <laughs> or like us, that we live rent-free in our head, in our, that she lives rent-free in our head. Let me look and see it was a really unbelievable tweet. If somebody tweeted something and I clicked her name like I sometimes do and I noticed it said you've been blocked. And I had never, like all you guys have been blocked. I have never been blocked by her. So I was, I was like, she it must said, have done something uh, to upset her. She's, oh, well, by the way, Lorena Gonzalez, we, we might as well talk about her too. She, and, and I mentioned this before, but um, back in uh, March, the uh, Ninth Circuit came out with a ruling on a um, on an older case filed by Uber and Postmates, and it was a scathing rebuke of Lorena Gonzalez. And they cited her fourteen times. This is the Ninth Circuit, a panel of three judges cited her fourteen times for her bad thuggish behavior in crafting AB five. They called it corrupt. They called it naked favoritism. They called it um, um, blatant backroom dealing. Um, they said that it was probable that AB5 is a violation of the Equal Protection Clause under the 14th Amendment. And they said because of her blatant animus against Uber that she had violated uh, equal protection laws, basically. And so they sent it back to the lower court that had dismissed it back in February of 2020. But it was, you know, everything that I've always said about AB5 and the exemptions that are arbitrary and pick winners and losers. And the fact that she's, you know, she picks, she herself picks winners and losers. And of course, now she, she when she was an assembly person, she worked at the behest of, of big labor. And now she is the head of the biggest labor organization in California that represents 
uh, 1,200 unions, and it's called the California Labor Federation, which was the sponsor of AB5. And she's she's still misbehaving on Twitter, using foul language and all the rest. So, yeah, I think she just got thrown in jail. Didn't well, he was arrested. I'm sure she posted. He was arrested. He was for blocking, blocking for blocking the entry entrance to the um, state capitol, where she used to work as a representative. She and her cohorts blocked. They were protesting because you know they were wanting you know. They want to unionize the um, legislative staff, so they they chose to block the entry, which is obviously a violation of fire fire codes and and stuff. And and she, you know, it was a big stunt, and they they had her, you know, with their hands behind her back, escorting her out. She and put her she, hands, she put her hands behind her back, but to imitate the posture of someone with their arms handcuffed. Uh, and she was more than just an assemblywoman. She was the chairman of the Assembly Committee on Appropriations. She was easily the what number two in that you know what number one in terms of clout. She was uh, the head of the she's the head of the Appropriations Committee appropriations in the Assembly. And uh, so she's an officer of the Assembly, uh, and a, that's a big deal. And uh, I compliment the two of you for your role in continuing to um, uh, keep her her name and her character in the public eye because that's a that insults union workers and it insults uh, political representation and it insults the public so nicely done well, do, she's, all, do all of us power she do. she wants her power over over the legislators and in fact all of the senators that are running, all of the candidates that are running for um, Diane Feinstein's Senate seat, the three Democrats that are running, Schiff, Porter, and Lee, they're all bowing and kissing the ring of Lorena Gonzalez. And in fact, Lorena Gonzalez, Katie Porter, Representative Katie Porter, brought Lorena Gonzalez to the State of the Union address back in January as her prom date. <laughs> <laughs> and, j- and just to be clear, all of us, all of us agree that the right to be in a union is fine. 100%. I grew up in a union household. My parents were both public school teachers here in the state of New Jersey. And they also had side gigs to pay the bills. Twas ever thus, you know, this whole notion that um, it has to be either or, or one or the other. I just think that's insane. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I think if you are a member of a company, you, you're an employee of a company, you want to get together and form a union, you have that right, more power yeah. to you. The rest of us have a right to hang out a shingle and go into business for ourselves. We should not be fighting with each other about this. This is our friends and our neighbors who we're talking about here. My grandfather and his brothers and sisters founded the uh, Cleveland Musicians Union back in 1922. Uh, they wanted to improve the quality of music. They wanted to improve the lives of union musicians. And that union in various names has continued to this day. So I was brought up in a two-union household. And uh, I'm not against unions as a um, mechanism for uh, employees. But I think it's the trying to force self-employers, you know, outside the law, not legal. Uh, to be to be uh, unionized employees is just 
is just a tragedy and uh, a farce. Right. And it's, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I know I shouldn't always point this out, but I feel like every time like I do see a union story, it just kind of, it goes to like, <laughs> it goes to like some of what I believe that just a lot of it is <clears throat> wasted money. If not already being um, like, are you represented that well in most of the union areas th- these days? I don't know. I don't know if Watch your money's going very far. Watch what's happening with the Starbucks uh, unionization. It's going in reverse now. They've gotten a lot of uh, branch offices. Are they uh, just the retail openings? Created their own unions. They sought representation. Now they're trying. Now they see what the teeth of the uh, union means. Now they've got two bosses. They've got Starbucks and they've got the union boss. They're trying to undo it and and uh, drop their representation and the NLRB. And uh, uh, Jennifer Abruzzo are trying to slow that down as much as they can. So that's not going well. So um, before this DOL change goes into effect, and by the way, is there any kind of idea? Because I know when we were scheduling this, Kim was saying, well, maybe we wait a few weeks. And that's why I was saying it probably is a two-part thing. Is there any idea when this will actually come to fruition? Well, they've pushed it back. <clears throat> Excuse a few me. times, right? Yeah, so probably this fall we'll see what happens. Um, but it's they've put dates on it before, and those dates have passed. Do you think that's going to keep happening till the end of the year? I don't know. Um, if I was Joe Biden, looking at the election polls, I don't know that I would take the chance on waiting to get into my second term to try to do this. I would try to get it done now. Yeah. They also have to have Julie. They also have to put Julie Sue out there to defend it. I well, mean, and that's and that would be a problem too, wouldn't it? Because everybody would say, "Well, she's not even. That's not even her role." It is her role. She's the acting sec- deputy, mm. sec- acting secretary of labor. Acting she her department. Yeah, I mean, I- it, 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 it's her role. Kim's right. The um, she's. She would be the Secretary of Labor, and that's the that's the officer who would defend a legis- a uh, regulatory rule uh, when it's uh, put in like this. She'll be she'll be the named defendant on the uh, the inevitable flurry of lawsuits fighting it for many good reasons. But uh, it'll be you know Julie Sue uh, in her co- official capacity as Secretary of Labor. That's who the defendant is. I'm actually, you know worried about the chilling effect that it's going to have because it's, what it's going to do, even if it, even if it's not going to put specific independent contractors out of work, you know, in certain professions, it's still going to um, uh, make employers and businesses examine the, all of their independent contracting uh, relationships and maybe err on the side of caution and eliminate their independent contractors or try to offer them a W2 part-time job or whatever. Almost you know? almost like the fear of like writers who were in California, who places outside of California had when, when AB5 went into effect, like we don't know what that is. Correct. I we mean, just rather not touch it. And, even, right. even if you were able to pass this, this very complicated arbitrary six factor test as an independent contractor, 
because of, um, I, I think a lot of companies are going to reevaluate their contracting relationships anyways, because of it. And then, then, you know, you're going to see a lot of people losing their clients. I think uh, I agree with uh, both Kim and Karen on this. I think that the, um, this 184 page uh, regulation, and, and these are, these are extremely complicated clauses and, and language. There, you, you can spend a long time puzzling over what each sentence means in a bill like that. And they've got 184 pages of them and they interact. And then they're compared to other laws that used to be. And it would cost any independent contractor customer, meaning a client, a lot of money to be able to talk to counsel and hear that they're in the, that they're in the clear. They won't get that except for a lot of money. A lot of lawyers have to read this and get paid to do that. So uh, I think that, that the uh, Karen's uh, suppression effect, I think you used the term, the um, chilling effect Chilling effect is, is absolutely their, their number two goal. If they can't get the legislation, we'll scare them out of, scare them out of business. And I think it's likely to be effective. So before this legislation does go into place and hopefully regulation, not regulation and, and hopefully that's, you know, I mean, hopefully that's dealt with properly and maybe in a, in a, in a beautiful world, maybe it's not even something we need to address again, but most likely it's something that's going to come up and we will be back here. But until we are, what is a lap? Can I get like a, um, like last words from all of you, each of you, on what you would, what you would, what you would tell people right now to be aware of, or what they should be doing, or what in each is it a state by state thing? Are there some states that should be on high alert? Are there anything you would want to say as like an elevator pitch to close us out here today? And Karen, we can start with you. I would say join the fight. There's so many influence freelancer influencers on Twitter and Instagram with tens of thousands of followers telling everybody how to pitch, you know, the client or how to make hundreds of hundred thousand dollars a year as a freelancer. And they're just whistling past the graveyard. They're, they're not using their platform to, to, um, you know, sound the alarm about the threats to all of our livelihoods. And I don't think they, they just turn their, turn the, turn their, their eyes away from it. They think it's not that it doesn't exist. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of people that need to join the fight. And first of all, the best thing to do is educate yourself. As far as on the national level, um, the Fight for Freelancers USA website has lots of good information about everything that's been going down, you know, in recent recent years coming from from, you know, various states and also nationally, because the fact of the matter is Joe Biden wanted the ABC test to be implemented in, in employment um, law, tax law, and labor law. Do I have that right? So, you know, this is what they've been wanting. And they're, they're, they're going about it in, in their, like with Prague, for example, they're taking p- bits and pieces of it and piece, trying to piecemeal it into different, different regulatory workarounds from through various agencies, including, I believe, Kim, the um, the Federal Trade Commission, they've they've implemented a whole of government approach, is what they're calling it. Everybody from the SEC and the FTC, all, you name the acronym, they're trying to figure out a way to incorporate this. 
Right. So you have to be on the lookout and you have to join the fight and you have to, you know, because otherwise, you know, that the, the, you need a big pushback against this stuff. You really do. And I need and to, I need to add to Karen's too. The, on your lap, you're, you're just going to be complacent about it. I mean, what happened in California, you, most people did not see coming. Most people did not think that would actually happen the way it did can happen fast and you can be blindsided and lose your career overnight. And there's not about it because there's no assumptions on these federal regulations, like unlike in California. So what, you know, what's going to happen to the, uh, the um, real estate appraiser that Kim was talking about. Mm -hmm. So Mike, what would, what would your words of wisdom to people be? <laughs> uh, I like I like Karen's uh, inform you know in, inform yourself. I think that's a great place to start. Um, that's why this this situation uh, in this very valuable time, uh, which is what fifteen months ahead of the uh, uh, ahead of the election in twenty twenty four. This is a time to uh, for self employed to get behind a positive gesture uh, that will make a difference that will help inform people and make them see that there is there's a resolution that the other side has been trying to hide it from us for 85 years uh, no one has ever been al- allowed to elect the choice to be a self-employer and yet people do it every day but the federal government and its uh, you know eager supporters are trying to get rid of it and there's a step that they can take they can believe in that a new Congress would be able to pass and um, with luck eventually a, a new president and um, with a little more compassion for uh, half the workforce soon to be uh, and this working uh, working arrangement. So uh, Be My Own Boss is available for anyone uh, for free who wants to find it. It's on our website at New Jobs America. Dot com and uh, pull down legislation and look for support this bill. Yeah, all of all of the websites can be found that are affiliated with each of these guests today in the show notes. Um, so for Karen's um, and Kim's and Mike's are all in the show notes. And uh, Kim, I guess we'll go to you for what for your words of wisdom because I'd like to hear these too. And what you would say, just status right now. And what people should know. I know it doesn't sound like much fun. And I can tell you from my past few years of experience, there's other things I'd rather be doing. But introduce yourself to your lawmakers, your state and federal lawmakers, and just tell them what you do for a living and that you will vote on this issue. If they make it a situation through any kind of freelance busting legislation or regulatory efforts, where when you walk into a voting booth, it's their job or yours, they're going to take your concerns much more seriously. My lawmakers now know my name. They they are well aware that I am not going to let them take my career away and that I'm going to be vocal about it if they try. That's really all it takes to stop these people. The way this stuff gets through is in darkness. It's because no one knows it's coming. The national media is not covering it. Local media hardly exists anymore, let alone covers it. 
just let them know that this issue matters to you. That's half the battle. The fact that we had people in that meeting in Illinois last week, they couldn't get away with saying we're all a bunch of felons and illegal immigrants. That's literally all that was required to open that that very powerful lawmaker's eyes about the problems here. It doesn't take that much effort to show them that you care about this and they care about your votes. That's what it boils down to at the end of the day. So tell them who you are, tell them how you earn a living and tell them you will vote to protect your, your career. I know. And I, I know that just, it, I, I'm right there with you. I know that to most people, they're just like, dude, I'm not going to go through all that. I'm not going to do that. But if you don't. It's an email. Yeah. Google. You can type it into Google, who is my representative, give it your zip code. They'll say, do you want to email your representative? Send them an email. It takes 30 seconds and you're done. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. Well, maybe this USDOL rule will um, light a fire under some people that don't believe that this kind of stuff can happen to them. It could happen any Friday afternoon. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is, I think this is big stuff. And I think that a lot of people, I think, I think it's just like California nationwide. People will just be knocked out by it. Even if they find out that it's going to happen in their state, like you guys knew it was coming in California, but you didn't know what to expect from it. And would the reality be as bad as it is, but it killed careers. I want to be a personal testimony, testimonial for that, Steve, uh, guy named Gary Gensler rewrote uh, federal uh, SEC rules and the Sarbanes-Oxley Act to eliminate small companies going public on the stock exchanges. And the same guy is still now at the SEC under Biden doing this uh, whole of government effort. And when that put me out of business uh, in 2004, it took two years from 02 to 04 to have its full effect. I was uh, without a job. I had 16 uh, semesters of college education for my daughters. I had absolutely no way to earn a living and absolutely no network left. And if you think it can't happen to you and it's not just crushing, I have, I have news for you. You'll love what Biden has in, in mind. Otherwise, you should fight now before you can't fight later. Yeah. Um. You guys, this is, this is, I mean, Kim just put it pretty easy. If you don't want to go like down to the courthouse or you don't want to go stalk these people at their houses and get arrested or anything stupid like that, you can literally just Google them and send them a quick email. Cause the more emails that come in, the more calls that come in, the more bombarded they get. I think it's like that same kind of thing that like we were seeing with a lot of, we did that town hall out here and you know, we had a Senator show up, Priola, who shot down a bill that, I'm not really sure how that bill looked, but um, he had no idea of what gig workers went through. In fact, he thought we all wanted to be employees. It was shocking. Like to meet him in person, he was like, well, wait a minute. I didn't know this, this, this. Everything we told him, he didn't know everything. Well, first of all, I just wanted to add that the narrative that's always being pushed is gig workers. Uh, to the exclusion of all the other independent professionals and career professionals right. out there Freelancers, self-employed, yes. You know, so they always they always use Uber and Lyft and janitorial and home care workers or whatever as the you know, car wash workers yeah. or whatever as their big examples. 
that they, you know, they hold up to the public and, and the gullible public will, you know, say, oh yeah, well, we don't want them to be exploited, but you know, the dolphins in the tuna net are actually, you know, every other profession. We have 600 categories of professions in my group, freelancers against AB5 that have been impacted in one way or the other by the law. And so um, these laws are in, invasive and expansive and they, they, they entrap everybody in California. AB5 applies to every single worker unless you have yeah. an exemption. Nobody wants anybody to be exploited. I don't think anybody here wants anybody to be exploited. The problem is misclassification and misclassification is a two-way street. What's happening right now is the government is trying to misclassify legitimate independent contractors to wipe us out of business. Mm -hmm. Misclassification is wrong. It's wrong if a business owner does it to a car wash guy. Yes. It's wrong if the government does it to a naval architect who makes $300,000 a year. It doesn't matter who's doing it. It's wrong either way. And we believe that everybody should just be correctly classified. This whole idea that it's a one size fits all world and we should all be in an employer employee relationship with unions. That's just crazy. That's never been, America is all about different strokes for different folks. That's the way America rolls. That's what we're trying to protect the right to choose how you want to earn a living. And right. And a good percentage of, of people who freelance do it as to supplement their existing income. So it's side hustles and side gigs to make ends meet, you know, at the end of the day or to, to supplement your social security if you're older, you know, and people should not be denied those opportunities to be able to do odd quote unquote job here or there as a 1099, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that is overlooked as well by these, um, you know, freelance busting legislators and union, you know, propagandists. Be my own boss is built around the principle that the individual gets to choose what their status is based on their best understanding of the work they're doing. Well, I mean, by the same token, I've got to push back a little bit on that too, because, you know, not every, not everybody should be able to just say, oh, I want to be an independent contractor, you know, that, and, and, and that's not realistic either, you know? Like it, what, what would be an example of somebody who couldn't or that you don't think should be able to? It has to do with control and direction with, with the person that you're working with. You know, if, if you're, I mean, how would, how would it be if you said that anybody and everybody should be able to decide whether they want to be an independent contractor or not? How does that protect actual misclassification and exploitation worker, worker protections that also should be in place? You know, I mean, a company could say, look, if you want to work for me as an independent contractor, um, you've got, you're going to have to, you know, work five days a week, 10 hours a day, do as I say, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, that's misclassification. So we yeah. don't want that. We want that. We want to have realistic solutions. Well, and that's why I'm bringing that up here at the end is because specifically related to the app-based gig economy, which a lot of you guys are all saying here that, you know, independent contractors are being looped into as well. Um, a lot of these have like DoorDash, you know, as a perfect example, like Tony Shu came on the CEO for DoorDash and said that there's 13 million DoorDashers in the U S okay. Really? That means 8% of the working people in the U S do DoorDash. I mean, that's crazy to me. And yet they have levels 50%, 
acceptance rate, 80% acceptance rate, and you get better offers. So it's like, well, wait a minute, are you independent or are you clocked in? I would want to see the basis of that number that he threw out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're all active. It doesn't line up with anything from IRS data to Pew Research Center research recently. Yeah, I know. I mean, this is, this was an interview that he did with Harry Campbell for the, from the rideshare guy. And he said, we have 13 million DoorDashers in the United States. Maybe they have 13 million people signed up. Yeah. I don't, I think they're not actively. Yeah. Yeah. So you know how many hours are, I mean, I'd like to see the breakdown of how many hours a week some of these DoorDashers work. Are they working five yeah. hours? What percentage just work five hours a week just to just to make some extra cash to put their kids through Little League? Well, you so 85% of the app-based gig economy is part-time, 20 hours or less a week. Yeah. So you Only take that away in this economy, time. you take those opportunities away from people to be able to just, you know, supplement their income working, not just doing, you know, app-based rideshare and delivery, but you know, helping out at a running event, for example, you know, handing out bib numbers, you know, according to AB, the ABC test, you wouldn't be allowed to do that because you're not customarily engaged in that profession, mm-hmm. you know, and you're being controlled and directed by the race director. So he, they would have to make you an, uh, uh, they would have to put you on payroll for a one day gig unless there's some kind of, you know, loophole in the law where you can, you know, kind of find some way to, to, you know, take advantage of a single engagement exemption so long as it doesn't do A, B, C, D, E, or F. We've got people coming into my group who are event producers who are having a hell of a time figuring out all of the the uh, the pitfalls and landmines in AB five, and they're having to put everybody on payroll. And it's just and it's destroying AB five is destroying the small community intimate theaters. Uh, uh, and small arts, nonprofit arts in California. And that is very well documented. It's not yes. hyperbole at all. No. What's, what's to prevent those people from uh, selecting to be independent contractors if you have uh, the Be My Own Boss law in effect? Are you, I'm not sure who you're asking. <laughs> uh, I, I was listening to Karen most re- recently oh. about that. I mean, on one hand, Karen, you you expressed a, a confidence in the in somebody doing the classification, but then you came up with a very good uh, theatrical example where uh, a law like this, where a third party decides who's what, uh, is just destroying uh, an arts community uh, from the inside out. And I I agree that that's the condition. Well, even the, even the most even the most freedom-loving states that give, have the most flexible rules for independent contractors to be able to work, um, there's still got to be some kind of, you know, criteria in place for worker protection. So you can't do one extreme or the other. There has to be worker protections embedded in any kind of, any kind of worker classification test. And who's going to be the first on the list to fill those positions? self-proclaimed protectors of the workers. And that's what we've been talking about for the last year. I don't know. (laughs) What do you think, Kim? Don't you think that, that, that worker, we have to have some reasonable solutions that are, that have a snowball's chance in hell of passing. I think that 
my experience the past couple of years, whether it's talking about state or federal legislation, regulatory efforts, whatever it is, if you just sit down with the lawmakers who are, who are, whoever's making the call and say, this is who I am and this is how I earn a living and you're going to wipe me out. Am I really the person you're trying to hurt? Their answer every single time is no. Their answer every single time is that they're on our side. So they have to find the political courage and political ability to do the right thing. But no matter what form or shape any kind of legislation or regulations take, if we just can get it through their heads that we want to protect everybody's right to be self-employed, if that's what they choose, all of, all of this stops. That's the end of it. So that's where my focus is. I mean, there's, there's tons of ideas for how to do it, and we could debate endlessly the ins and outs of different pieces of proposed legislation, proposed regulations. But at the end of the day, if the lawmakers understand that this is how we choose to earn a living and we're not a bunch of felons and we actually pay our taxes and we're doing fine, they are not going to vote to hurt us because they want to keep their jobs. That's where mm -hmm. it boils down to for me. Right. And even the IRS test, Kim, has, you know, control and direction is one of the factors. And some, some of these multi-factor tests taken, but it's the preponderance of the evidence, you know. And Borello, uh, people, you know, Borello, the Borello test in California, which is a multi-factor test that's been in place since 1989, allows for more flexibility while also, you know, ensuring that that actual legitimate misclassification isn't isn't you know running rampant in certain industries as well so there has to be a balance with these tests and and also you know uh, if you're a licensed professional for example you should be allowed to be your own boss you know uh, yeah the, the uber drivers that i ride with are very very savvy and have been regardless of city or mission or time of day. Uh, and if you listen very carefully to their situation, they want to be independent. They are independent. They're on the platform to make money. They make excellent money. It's what's happening is the platforms are in many cases not behaving as a good contract peer. They're they're using their power against contract law and changing changing the contract without the agreement of the other party, meaning the driver. They're violating their own terms. They don't tell you they don't tell the drivers what the terms are going to be or how long they're going to last. And what's really at issue is the, the platform's willingness to abide by a peer-to-peer -peer agreement with their drivers, not the fact that they've inveigled a couple of ignorant people to come and drive for them unaware of the, the facts of life of, of the economy. So I think that there are other causes and we have an unwillingness to enforce existing law, contract law, onto, um, onto the, the situation at hand. And we're, we're getting it mixed up, mixed up with the idea of misclassification. Well, I, I think a hybrid you know, classification tests could be the wave of the future. And as imperfect as Prop 22 was, um, you know, it sort of maybe, you know, jumpstarts that idea that that in the new in our new way of working, you know, 
digitally and remotely and via apps and on demand and all the rest that we can't have this binary decision of independent contractor 1099 and nothing in between. There's got to be some kind of, you know, compromises along the way that, that the new, the new independent workforce is, can usher in, you know, but at the same time, it can't just, you know, I, I mean, People are, there are exploited workers out there, exploited independent contractors out there in certain industries, and they do need protections. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess most likely that'll be handled on a state-by-state basis is my take on it. Um, this PROACT thing really kind of threw me a little bit because I thought we were well past that. I wasn't, didn't even think we'd get into that today. I thought that was done and buried. And to me, even after talking to it with, about it with you guys, I still feel like it's dead and buried. I still it's feel like, why, why, why are you even talking about this? It's thing? currently dead, but they'll it's bring it right It's always like a Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction in the bathtub scene. They're always going to come back up through the suds with a knife and try to stab you in the back with their, you know, with their um, restrictive uh, labor laws. They're going to keep coming at it again and again until they can, until they can try to get their way. And if, the, the sad fact of the matter is, is the PRO Act would be the law of the land if not for a couple of moderate Democrats and the Republican Party in, in the, um, in the uh, House of Representatives and the Senate. That's a fact. If it, if, if, if it, if when they tried to pass the PRO Act, if it was, if it was a majority Democrat in the Senate and in the House and in the White House, Chances are that would have passed. Absolutely agree. Well, so lucky for all of us and everybody saying, listening. There's, it's, there's not, it's not saying that that could happen. And come November 2024, there could be a complete, you know, sea change in the balance yep. of power in Washington, and then all then it, the floodgates would open on these on these anti-independent contractor uh, and other. You know, provision the, the Pro Act has all these other different provisions that are onerous too for franchising and and privacy and a right to not be able to you know to join a union and all of that kind of st- stuff. You know, it's a yeah, horrible I, bill for individual freedom. It really is. It's just the worst. It's it's every it's the worst of the worst. It's it's every goody goody and grab bag kind of thing that. <laughs> you know, big labor has been dreaming about for years, but it's anachronistic. Rich Rich Trumpka dreamed up the PRO Act because he's good at agglomerating a lot of things and using poor anger management to to push it through. And it hasn't worked. And he regrettably died uh, and doesn't see the results. And his heirs to the um, power levers within the unions have said, this isn't going to work. It's not working. We're going to do it in piecemeal and we're going to get what we want doing it a different way. So it's correct. Steve, it's dead. It's not buried. They can't revive it. So they're doing other things and we have to be, we have to switch our tactics to make sure that we're effective in the new playing field that that has been thrown upon us. Well, I, it's my opinion that Sean O'Brien, is that his name? He's worse than Trunka. He is <laughs> like Lorena Gonzalez and O'Brien and those kinds <laughs> of personalities aren't doing the labor movement any favors, in my opinion. I agree. They're not doing any favors at all. They can't hear, they can't hear themselves in the eyes of their audiences. 
And am, I, am I wrong, though, in saying that that's kind of historical? Isn't it kind of historical that the person in charge of these labor unions is always somebody that shouldn't be? Not really. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Caitlin Vega, when we were when I was testifying about AB5 in front of the advisory committee for the uh, Civil uh, Civil Rights Commission, um, she listened attentively to what I had to say. And she was actually a, you know, she had a nice demeanor and a, a you know, a pleasing personality, unlike somebody like Lorena Gonzalez or yeah. Vina Duval, who comes and starts spouting, you know, critical race theory and, you know, spewing racism every, every which where against independent <laughs> contracting. Yeah. So, well, this is to be continued. Um, we've got to let Kim go get her rest for one, because uh, we could probably do this for all afternoon. But um, thank you for joining us, everybody. Thank you for listening on the replay. And uh, this will be continued, to be continued. But it will be continued at a time when it isn't going to be probably a pretty situation. So I know that you love to see our pretty faces, but uh, the next time you see them probably will be because something has happened. <laughs> so, but we will need to talk about it. So until then, you guys, thank you for joining us. And uh, we will Thanks, see you Steve. soon. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Karen. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Thanks Steve.